0: hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast cafe podcast i'm your host kavia and i'm so excited to have you all back here for episode 30 of the podcast super super exciting every time i get to these kind of solid numbers like in the 20, 25, 30, like those kinds of numbers, it's really exciting, because it just feels like, oh my gosh, it really puts things into perspective, you're like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for a while, and um, it just feels amazing, because I really, really love doing this. Let me first start off by, of course, I kind of already said this on my Twitter, but apologizing the last two weeks, I did not post episodes, Um, they were my finals weeks, as well as tech weeks for shows that I'm helping with, Um, so it was just a very, very busy time, there was absolutely no time for me to um, record episodes to begin with. This week was also super, super busy. Um, I'm kind of tying up all the loose ends for school um, for this semester, and I also have more perf- m- more performances for this same show this weekend. So there's, obviously this weekend is extremely busy, just as busy as last weekend was, um, if not potentially more, because there's more cleanup and things like that involved. Um, So there's just a lot going on, so I didn't have time to watch anything new, read anything new, or anything like that, which is so annoying on its own part, because, you know, I love media consumption. The only thing I did this entire week, in terms of consuming media, I think I read, like, two chapters of the Spanish Love Deception, and I watched the new episode of Survivor, and, like, that's literally it. I'm so behind on all the other current shows I'm watching, like, This Is Us, All American, All American Homecoming... Um, the Kardashians, pretty much everything just across the board I'm behind. So that's what next week's for. It's going to be a lot of catching up. It's finally summer. I'm going to get on that because um, I want to be ready to talk about This Is Us since This Is Us is about to end next week. Survivor is also about to end next week, so I want to be able to get on all of that. I have not been able to watch the new season of The Wilds yet since that came out in this same two-week period, so I'm going to get on that. Obviously, the last thing that I consumed that I just watched in full was Heartstopper three weeks ago. So I need to get on that, need to get caught up with everything, back into my groove, because if y'all know, you know how important that is to me. I've just been extremely busy. So unfortunately, even this week, I don't have anything new to talk about. However, I didn't want to take another week off and not talk about anything. So we are going to talk about just the best thing in the entire world to me, something I'm very passionate about. And I kind of decided that this is something that could happen in the future, because show weeks, finals weeks, midterm weeks, vacation weeks, like there's going to be times where the weeks are so busy um, and some weeks are going to just be like, absolutely not. There's not even time to record an episode. And then there are going to be a wee- weeks that are busy, but there is time to at least record an episode. So I'm going to try to default to things that I've already seen to kind of just talk about it um, and things that I'm passionate about so I can at least give the people that listen to my podcast some consistent content. So that's what this is for, and I know this is rather popular amongst my friends and the people I talk to and the people that I know listen to my podcast, so that's what we're going to talk about. Before we get into that, wow, it's already been three, almost three and a half minutes, (laughs) Um, let me give you the quick intro. Of course, please go ahead and hit the follow button, turn on the notification bell. You'll be notified every time I post, which is typically Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, Also, please check out the bio. There's tons of links in there you'll be linked to the TikTok, the Instagram, the Twitter, and like I've said several times, the Twitter is the best way to reach me if you want to contact me, if you want to talk. I love making new friends. I've made several friends on Twitter, so if you want to chat about um, either something I've talked about on the podcast, you want to give recommendations, you want to give feedback, whatever it may be, my DMs are always open. I always get back to them. I try to be as timely as possible with those, um, and I hope many people can actually attest to that, Um, so please do that. Uh, you will also be linked to my TV time, which is the best way to see what I'm watching in real time. Um, everything is very, very updated on there, and I'm very type A about checking off episodes. Letterbox, great way to see what movies I'm watching in real time. And then finally, my Goodreads, the best way to see what I'm reading in real time. So all those are great. And of course, you're linked to other platforms to listen to my podcast because they are available in quite a few places. So I kind of put the three most popular platforms on there. So you can check those out if you're looking for somewhere else that's more convenient for you to be listening to the podcast. Um, But even just going on Anchor, you should be able to find some other options that I have not linked there. I didn't want to make it too clogged um, to also leave room for me to potentially add, like, my Spotify in the future and potentially some other links that I have no clue what they would be at this point. But whatevs. All right, it has almost been five minutes to finally introduce the topic of the week. If you couldn't already tell by the title of this episode, we are going to be talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So as I've mentioned in several episodes in the past, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my all-time, 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 all-time favorite TV show. I don't think anything even comes remotely close. I think it's just the best show in all of existence. Like, oh my goodness, I think this show is a masterpiece. I think everything about it is so perfect and just I feel the need that this show deserves everything and more, and I really wholeheartedly wish that it was, you know, more popular um, amongst the current generation, and I know that it's a thing of the past. It aired for the first time in 1997 um, on the WB, which is, of course, a retired network. However, the WB became the CW, and I feel like the WB slash CW has given us All the teen drama hits we could have ever asked for. We got Buffy from this network, Dawson's Creek, um, One Tree Hill, um, what else, Everwood, Felicity, Roswell, Smallville, Charmed, um, what else, what else, what else, Veronica Mars, and then, you know, oh, Gilmore Girls, more after. It was a lot of... um, Gossip Girl, The Vampire Diaries, so it's just really such a great network in terms of content. There's a lot that we got from it, so I think people should dip their toes into Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and they will be pleasantly not surprised, because I think it's just so iconic, and for a show to still remain so relevant, like, for example... Not a lot of kids today watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. However, everybody knows what Buffy the Vampire Slayer is. And a good comparison I can use to that is Dawson's Creek. Everybody knows what Dawson's Creek is. Not everybody watches Dawson's Creek today, but everybody knows what it is. They're kind of staples. They're huge, recognizable names that are kind of thrown around in even modern-day television. Everybody talks about Buffy Summers. Everybody talks about Willow and Tara. Um, There's a lot of different things and components that go into that. And, um, you know, those are just really really amazing things and I love Buffy and I think oh, it's just amazing. And I think it's just the best show to ever exist and I don't think anything really comes close and by the time I finished the show for the first time which I watched with my sister I was like oh my goodness that is the best fucking thing I've ever watched in my life like wow I was mind blown and just I think the sheer amount of effort that went into that and perfectly crafting a very 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 well written narrative that is so perfect in continuity and so perfectly leads up to every other event following is just fabulous and so amazing and of course it bred a very successful spin-off as well which was angel not nearly as successful however still very successful and amazing I may if I may add um, and that got us to highlight two characters Cordelia and angel that we're highlighted heavily in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but we're kind of able to give them a lot of room to grow, um, which I'll kind of talk about a little bit later when I do the character breakdown. So, actually, I say a little bit later, but, like, let's get into that character breakdown right now, um, starting with Buffy Summers. So, Buffy... Oh my gosh. You guys don't understand. Um, Buffy Summers, to me, is just the absolute best character of all, all all time. So not only is Buffy the Vampire Slayer the best show of all time, it produced Buffy Summers, who is not just the greatest character of all time, because I think that's just like something to really hold. It's just She's also just the greatest protagonist of all time. I don't think there is another main character that really comes to that level. I think the only main character that I really resonate with um, on like ki- not even kind of the same level because they're not on the same level is maybe Veronica Mars. But Buffy Summers is like... Highly, highly, highly above that. I think she's just such an icon, and I think that the way she's written is so, so amazing. And watching her progression throughout the show and watching how she changes is absolutely incredible. One of my favorite things and one of my favorite moments of development that we get from Buffy is simply just on the scale of how she goes about accepting that she is a slayer. Like, at the beginning of the show, she is very, very against the Slayer lifestyle, and she's like, that is not for me, that's not, you know, I don't want it, I mean, it is for me, but I don't want it, I would prefer to live out the life that I want to live out, I am 16 years old, I want to talk to boys, and I want to go to parties, and I want to have fun, and for God's sake, I want to study she just wanted the normal high school experience, and somewhere around season five, after spoiler alert, Joyce dies, she kind of accepts that she is the Slayer, and that everything is supposed to change, and you see a huge shift in her character um, in the first half of the series, or everything up until season five, and then everything in season six and seven. Season six and seven brings a new level of maturity that we've never seen before with her, and she kind of reaches this mature state where she's just very, very, very wise. And I think that's also illustrated by the fact that Giles is not as present in her life anymore. She doesn't need him like that anymore. You know, she has kind of figured those things out for herself. Versus at the beginning, she really needed Giles' assistance to not only get on track, but to just figure everything out. And she's kind of become someone who is that person that can figure things out. And that's what I really, really... Love and I loved seeing her progression. I also think Sarah Michelle Geller, who portrayed Buffy, is just an incredible actress. Um, Buffy's range of emotions is absolutely incredible. I just don't think a character has gone through as much as Buffy has. It's absolutely insane. They never gave her a break, you know, like she died twice. Absolutely insane. She's lost everybody in her life that there is to lose. Um, I think by the end of the show, the fact that she has Willow and Xander, like, her two best friends, and then her little sister, and, um, Giles is, like, incredible, but, like, I think something that she also accepts, which is really, really depressing, is that she's kind of just meant to live her life alone, you know, like, those attachments aren't things that she can just have, um, she's just supposed to be alone, and she's a slayer, and she's learned that it's, a lonely lifestyle, and for the rest of her life, she's just going to have to do it alone. Um, I mean, not alone, because obviously we know the way the show ends. There's multiple Slayers that are now on the planet, but as in, she's just really going to have to be by her lonesome a little bit, and it's really sad, but I think the way that they write Buffy's levels of acceptance is just so well done. Okay, so then we have Willow Rosenberg. Um, So... Hot take, I don't really, really like Willow. Um, I don't hate her, but I don't really like her. I mean, I do hate her at several points in the show. I don't find her to be a very good friend to Buffy at a lot of points. And as someone who is, like, the biggest Buffy stan you will ever meet, that's just not okay. Which is why every single character on this list is kind of like, eh, to me. Just because, not every, there's a couple that I really, really love. But uh, many of them are just, eh, to me because they were mean to Buffy once. Like, it's just a no for me. Um, But Willow... Um, so she's like Buffy's witch best friend. She is um, super, super smart. And I think she was annoying half the time. She wasn't always an amazing friend. However, I really like what Willow did on the show and her overall connection to the group. I loved Buffy and Willow's dynamic. I loved their friendship. I feel like ultimately it made a lot of sense just considering like Buffy was new. She was trying to make like kind of more grounded real friends. And um so she meets Willow and Xander who are very, very much, I guess, that. And um they're all very different and all very like oddly placed, but their friendship makes a lot of sense. It provides a lot of really good balance, um, which I think always makes a lot of sense in friendships. So yeah. And of course, actually, never mind. I'm gonna talk about that when I get into ships and stuff. So then we have Xander, who is the most useless man on the planet. Um, like what does he do? Again his role in the group, and whenever they have kind of, like, those trio of scenes, it ultimately makes sense to me, because I'm like, yes, Xander's a part of that, <clears throat> it's cute, but then, like, just on its own, I'm like, absolutely not, I don't like Xander, um, you know, he provides overall good placement in the show, but I don't, I'm not really a fan of his character, like, at all. He's also useless and provides nothing to the group. Um, I guess at certain points in the show, they really tried to use him as comedic relief, and sometimes it works, but sometimes it kind of falls short of that, so that sucks. Anyways, then we have Cordelia Chase, who is your classic mean girl. She is the staple for, like, that mean girl trope turned nice, like, kind of thing. She um, comes off as very, like, Rich and that kind of thing. She's kind of bitchy, but Cordelia is amazing. Um, so, this is kind of where it transitions into Angel a little bit, the spinoff show. So, I think that the show did a really, really good job of kind of giving Cordelia that spotlight in Angel because it really allowed for her character to develop. And we got major glimpses of that in Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, when she would help the group or she would show these moments of kindness and these moments of weakness because ultimately, weakness can like showing weakness can tell a lot about your character. Um, So we got to see a lot of that. So we knew she was a good person, but really expanding on that and allowing her to become a deeper character was something that I really enjoyed. But I love Cordelia, and I think she's an amazing character. And I think Buffy and Cordelia provide that really good contrast of your protagonist and not your antagonist, your protagonist and your like mean girl type thing. And a dynamic that I found to be one of the most refreshing than what we usually see in this department because usually we get like a, I mean, I know this is kind of falls more into the best friends, but it's also a very similar dynamic of like an Elena and a Caroline or a Serena and a Blair. I'm trying to think of more examples, um, like Brenda and a Kelly, but things like that. It's just, I really like the dynamic that's placed between these two. And I really, really wish we got to fl- um flesh that out more and like that we got to see them actually become friends. So I think that's probably like one of my only complaints about the show is that I just wish we got to see Buffy and Cordelia really become friends. So then we have Giles, who is of course, um, the watcher, Buffy's watcher, and he is the all wise type. I love Giles. Um, of course there were moments where he pissed me off, like in season seven, when Buffy is independent and everything that happens, the two big things that piss me off a lot with this group is number one, wait, both times, Both the times that Buffy was kicked out of her own house. Um, The first time, obviously, being after Buffy literally had to kill her boyfriend, and nobody tried to find the explanation to what Buffy could have been going through mentally. They just assumed that she took off for absolutely no reason at all. Didn't even try to figure out what was going on. Like, what kind of fucking friends are you? She comes back. You assume she just left you for absolutely no reason, and she was the one being a bad friend, so you kick her out of her own house, question mark? Number two... The second time she was kicked out of her own house in season seven, she makes one mistake about a decision, like um, a plan. She makes one mistake about a plan. Someone gets hurt that isn't her for once and suddenly she's no longer fit and qualified so she's kicked out of her own house, the house that you all are living in and paying absolutely no rent whatsoever and she's expected to pay it even though she's the fucking vampire slayer she was the one expected to get a job after coming back from the dead like it just pisses me off but overall giles great character love his dynamic with buffy their father-daughter dynamic is absolutely incredible amazing especially considering that buffy didn't really have that dynamic um obviously her father was gone and joyce was we kind of see at different points like what Joyce is really like she kind of goes through a lot of development herself as a character she's kind of not very present at the beginning um, given a lot of the season one episodes and how they talk about how Joyce doesn't really get involved with Buffy at school or anything like that Um, and then they also have a rough relationship where she gets kicked out and Joyce finds out about the vampire slayer stuff but overall she kind of tries to come around and become a better mother and then of course that's when we lose her so It's very upsetting, but it's amazing to know she has Giles and that adult figure in her life who is very much like a parental figure. So we have Angel, who's of course Buffy's first boyfriend, and he is a... Well, I guess not first boyfriend, I'm sure she had one before, but first boyfriend on the show. um, And he's a vampire that essentially used to stalk her and kind of just fell in love with her. Um, So he's your classic nice guy vampire. He's always warning Buffy at the beginning of threats that are coming, and he's like this really, really wise guy, and he knows all about the vampire world, and he just wants to help her, and whatevs, 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 and he has this stupid alter ego, whatever, actually that made for a great plot. I loved the season two plot, so um, whatevs. But Angel um, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a very, very boring character. Buffy and Angel is a boring ship. However, once again, with the addition of Angel as a show, we got to see a lot, a lot of development from Angel, he actually gained a personality, so if you've only seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you hate Angel, like, go watch Angel, I promise, 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 you will not feel that way anymore, um, you might not love him or anything, but he definitely becomes more likable, he actually gains a personality, um, he's actually in a rootable ship for once, so yeah, check that out, (laughs) all right, so then we have Oz, and Oz is, uh, the werewolf character, and he is Willow's boyfriend before Willow, I guess, comes out as gay, but, um, so Oz, yeah, he's a werewolf character, he's a very sweet guy, um, I don't really know much to say about him, so he's, like, in a band, um, he finds out he's a werewolf, he helps the gang a lot for a bit, until he decides that he needs to go off and be with other people like him, and that's kind of his exit off the show, he's fun to have around for a bit, Definitely couldn't have seen or couldn't see him being a regular throughout all the seasons, but he was cool while he was there. So then we have Spike, who is the Buffy love interest that I am the biggest fan of. Um, He is introduced in season two as a primary villain type character. He is Buffy's complete enemy. Um. All they do is try to kill each other, because, of course, he is a bad guy. Like, he's not a good person. Well, he's a vampire. By any means, He all he does is try to kill Buffy, kill Buffy's friends, capture them, torture them, whatnot. Their love story is built very, very slowly. Like, very, very slowly. In just one of my favorite slow burns ever, because obviously they're enemies, it's true enemies to lovers, the blueprint for enemies to lovers, this is just probably one of the biggest buzzes I've ever gotten from a ship ever, like he kind of decides that he's in love with her, so in season five, um, he starts to just think about her a lot, he's having these dreams of her, and their, their relationship kind of starts like that, where he's just dreaming of her, he wants to be around her more, so Buffy finds this very weird, And then after she dies in the season five finale and comes back to life in season six, she feels very out of place. So she kind of gives into it and they have just a very sexual relationship, but that's all it is. It's just sexual. And Spike loves that because he's in love with her, but Buffy's really just doing it to kind of feel something, um, very much like a Damon and Elena type dynamic. So kind of just doing it to feel something, except at some point it's no longer doing it to just feel something, you know? And, um season seven their relationship becomes very intimate and not sexually just intimate in the feelings department so Spike's death is just absolutely terrible I mean it's not really a death but that's for you to kind of figure out an angel and interpret but what else okay so then we have Riley Finn who is Buffy's other love interest who kind of is smack dab in the middle of Angel and Spike he is some boring man she meets in college and she finds out he's like a, oh my gosh, I literally forgot what they were called. They were in that little army thing. They're like hunters, something of that nature. I cannot remember. Um, he's useless, he's the worst, he's Buffy's worst boyfriend by far. He really only dumps her because he's threatened by how powerful she is, so let's move on so then we have Anya Jenkins who is introduced in season three and she's a vengeance demon so she's super super old she's been alive for many years she's a vengeance demon she gets revenge on men who have done women wrong which I literally love this show is such like a woman empowerment type of show but she is Xander's main love interest she is the epitome of quirky girl who's just completely unaware of things and I think one of my favorite things about Anya's character is just her ability to make light of a lot of situations and I think one of the saddest things is when Joyce died I think it was everyone was really sad and Anya didn't really know how to react to that sadness and in one of my favorite scenes in the whole show she breaks down crying to I think Willow and Tara and she's like I just don't know what to do like with these feelings I don't know what to do with these with this sadness you know nobody will explain it to me and the way her like voice breaks about how she doesn't understand how to be how to react to the situation because nobody is explaining to her what's wrong with Joyce and that is just one of the most uh, heartbreaking scenes. It's just so well portrayed and so well written and this show is just uh, has such a way with the dialogue it just breaks your heart. So then we have Dawn Summers who <coughs> excuse me, um, is Buffy's quote-unquote sister, and she's introduced in season five. So uh, Dawn's introduction to the show is one of the greatest plot twists of all time. So you're watching the show, seasons one through four. Dawn does not exist. Buffy is an only child. And then suddenly, season five, the first episode starts, and Buffy's running down the stairs or something, and Dawn's just standing there, and she's like, yeah, they're having a sisterly argument. And you're thinking, like, what the fuck? You know, like, you're thinking, oh my gosh, this show made a writing mistake, there's an inconsistency in the plot, since when does Buffy have a sister? And you think that it's a writing mistake, but about halfway through the season, you find out that Dawn is the key to basically hell, and she was placed there, and everybody, Buffy, all of her friends, Joyce, all these people, were essentially made to think that Buffy has always had a sister and that she's always been there. But then Dawn, of course, finds out that she's not actually a person. She's a key. But then, of course, that leads to just one of the greatest finales and episodes of all time, which is the season five finale, where Buffy sacrifices herself so Dawn doesn't have to, you know, be gone. And she teaches Dawn about living and being brave and, oh my gosh, it's the most powerful monologue ever. And then she ends up dying. But of course, she comes back because they bring her back from the dead in season six. But Yeah, and then Dawn from then on, um, continues to be Buffy's very annoying sister. Once the key plot has been tossed, because it's been resolved, she tries to help Buffy, but of course, since she's younger, Buffy's always like, you need to take a backseat a little bit, but she's very annoying about it, so whatever. (laughs) And then we have Tara, who's the last of the main characters, and Tara, um, is also a witch, She's introduced in season four, I believe it was. Um, And she's introduced, yeah, in the college seasons. Willow meets her in college. They start up a romance. Um, So she's a witch. Willow and Tara do a lot of magic together. And she is the sweetest character on the show. She has a heart of gold. She's an angel. She's kind to everyone. She forms great relationships with everybody. And Tara has the ability to just notice things. One of my favorite things is when Buffy's body was occupied by Faith, and, um, you know, so she was acting very different because Buffy and Faith are, like, two opposite ends of the spectrum. (laughs) Tara was the only one that noticed that something was wrong with Buffy and that she must be possessed, and just the fact that Tara was the one that noticed and none of her, like, actual best friends noticed is just insane to me. Like, are you kidding me? Um, All right, but now for some reoccurring characters that I'm going to talk about in, like, very, very minor detail. Um, So starting with the villains, we have the Master, which is the Season 1 villain. He is the oldest of the living vampires, the first kind of big bad that Buffy faces in Sunnydale. Um, And so, you know, he's a Season 1 villain. He's trapped in the Hellmouth, and he's trying to open it. Then we have Drusilla, who is this beautiful young vampire. Um, She is driven insane by Angelus, and then Spike. So she's very much like this woman that Spike and Angel have been in love with since the beginning of time, and they've been kind of vying for her affection and for her love, and they've been in love with her, and that kind of has always lasted throughout the test of time. Then we have Angelus, who is kind of the most infamously cruel vampire in history. He's Angel's alter ego, so whenever Angel doesn't have his soul, he is Angelus, who is just kind of a mass murderer type, kills anything in his sight, just one of the most dangerous beings. Then we have Mayor Richard Wilkins III, who is the season three villain, um, and I should mention Drusilla and Angelus are kind of like season two villains, and then Mayor Richard Wilkins III is the season three villain. Um, He is the mayor, founded the city of Sunnydale on the Hellmouth, so it kind of could be a haven for demons to feed. So he sells his soul in the 19th century so that he could kind of ascend into pure demon form. Um, And then we have Professor Maggie Walsh, who is the season four villain, and she is Buffy's psychology professor in college, and she's the leader of the initiative. And so she kind of deceives Riley, tries to get him to kill Buffy just a lot of different things. And then we have Adam, who is a part of the season four story, and he's a part cyborg, part demon, part human creation of the initiative under Maggie Walsh. So he has no conscious conscience. He's very violent, dangerous. He kills in order to study victims' bodies, essentially. And we have Glory, who is a season five villain, who is the great, wonderful, glorious... Glory. So she is the evil hell god. She's essentially a god who has been exiled from her dimension by other hell gods, and she's forced to occupy the body of someone named Ben, and that kind of reduces her power. And she goes back and forth between Glory and Ben, Glory and Ben, Glory and Ben. And she regularly becomes disoriented and unstable, and she drains the mind of humans in order to maintain her cognitive processes, leaving her human victims pretty much insane. And she is looking for... The key, aka Dawn, so she could return to her home dimension, since Dawn is the key to the um to the Hellmouth and to other dimensions. So she doesn't really care that she's kind of threatening to destroy the fabric of all dimensions and separating reality. It's pretty insane. Um so then we have Warren Mears, who is the villain of season six, kind of in his little trio. Um, which is kind of the main villains of season six, before Dark Willow kind of becomes the actual big bad. Um, So he's kind of this, first appears as this fairly normal nerd, but then becomes this very violent, power-driven time bomb um, who really is just trying to instill fear in others. He does a lot of evil deeds, kind of going around doing crazy things, and then he later, um, or sorry, um, you know, he ends up being skinned alive by um Dark Willow and then he later appears in season in the later seasons resurrected and tries to seek revenge on Buffy and Willow. So then we have Caleb who is part of season 7. He is an arrogant misogynistic preacher who kind of is a vessel and agent of the first evil and that kind of leads us into the first evil who is the season 7 villain and kind of the villain of the whole show. He is the source and embodiment of all that is evil. One of my favorite lines in the show is when they talk about, when Buffy says that, something to the group, I think, and she goes, we have fought a lot of things in the past, but we are now up against the thing that is the reason that those other things existed. So this is kind of like the biggest bad there can be. And quick uh, thing on Dark Willow. Um... She is the um, the dark version of Willow when Willow gets too power hungry in season six and she becomes obsessed with magic and then after Tara dies she kind of goes insane and uses her powers to take kind of all the dark magic out of these dark magic books and she just becomes like this, essentially this villain that is killing people. So now for the allies we have Joyce who's of course Buffy's mother um, which we've already talked about a lot. Then we have Jenny Callender, who is the high school computer teacher, and she is kind of Giles' love interest and a mentor to Willow, um, yeah, so she's a descendant of the Romani tribe who cursed Angelus by restoring his soul, so Angelus, um, kills Jenny. Um, then we have Wesley Wyndham Price, who is a character on Angel, by the way, a more prominent character, but he is a second watcher who's kind of sent to replace Giles for a bit. Um, But he's eventually fired, and then he appears on Angel as a rogue demon hunter, and becomes part of the Angel investigations. Then we have uh, Principal Robin Wood, who is a Season 7 character. He is the son of a past Slayer, um, and he becomes Buffy's ally and a love interest of Faith. And we have Kennedy, who is one of the potential Slayers. Um, There's a lot of potential Slayers. I only included Kennedy because I think she was probably the most relevant. Um and so she becomes Willow's second girlfriend, and she's super annoying and fuck her. Okay, then, kind of in the other category, I have Faith, Lehan, is kind of uh, the other slayer, who is very much contrary to Buffy. She's not necessarily a villain, and she's not necessarily an ally, which is why I put her in the other section. She's the contrast to Buffy, opposite end, good cop, bad cop type thing. There are certain points in the show where she's an absolute villain, and she's the worst person in the world. There are other times she's helpful... Um, for the most part, I found her character to be very annoying. I didn't enjoy her. I thought she was a bitch, so fuck Faith. I guess. <laughs> um, then there's Jonathan, who is this hopeless high school nobody. He is saved by Buffy several times, and then in season six, he's part of the little trio thing. And then there's Harmony, who is a high school companion to Cordelia, and then she laterly le- later becomes a vampire. Um, and is seen in love with Spike. Um, but you know. That's her. (laughs) And then there is, um, Amy, who is a student at Sunnydale, who encounters the gang. She turns herself into a rat. She's later restored from that, but she ultimately resents the Scoobies and how they treat her. So there's just a lot of things happening here. (laughs) Um, and then there is Graham, who is Riley, one of and Forrest, who are both of Riley's main peers in the initiative, and then Andrew Wells, who is the final member of the trio in season six, and he's also a nerd. But then in season seven, he becomes a little bit more prominent as part of the actual group, not to help, but more just to like be there. And they kind of just hold him captive in the house and use him for information, basically. So we just discussed every single Buffy character, and wow. So something you may have noticed is that The Vampire Diaries pretty much copied all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I could do a separate podcast episode on literally all the comparisons between Buffy and, um, and The Vampire Diaries, so let me know if any of you guys would like to hear that, because I could do a really well-constructed episode on that, but to kind of give you a taste, um, these are not necessarily all in the personality department, but they are all in the role department, as in the role they play on the show. Buffy would be Elena. Matt would be Xander, or Xander would be Matt, Matt would be Xander, it'd be, Elena would be Buffy, Matt would be Xander, Bonnie would be Willow, uh, Caroline would be Cordelia, Alaric would be Giles, Stefan would be Angel, Tyler would be Oz, um, Damon would be Spike, I don't know who Riley would be, probably, like, Liam or one of Elena's, like, irrelevant boyfriends, um, Anya is too cool of a character to have any sort of comparison whatsoever. (laughs) And I guess same with Tara. I could probably think of one if I like really thought about it. And then of course Jeremy would be Don. And then um Drusilla would be Catherine. And Faith would this is where it gets interesting. Faith and Drusilla both are embodiments of Catherine. Um, both jealous of Buffy, wanting to be Buffy, Drusilla more in the sense of like the character itself where it has Stefan Damon both in love with Catherine, Angel um, Spike both in love with Drusilla. Also we have that Stefan has this Ripper alter ego and Angel has this um, Angelus alter ego. Also the Delaina, Bangel, Delena, Spuffy, Comparisons are the same essentially, and the fact that Steriline and Kangel are the ones that end up together, it's just absolutely insane that the show literally copied everything. It's insane. Buffy is the blueprint, Buffy is everything. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that kind of brings me towards the end. The things I wanted to like tie up and just express is that season five is the best season of Buffy. I think it's amazing. But I also think season six and seven are amazing, amazing seasons, both super dark. Seasons two and three are huge standouts for me, because that's kind of when the show goes, like, oh my gosh, I was obsessed. Um, I love season two of Buffy. I think season two is absolutely incredible and the plot is amazing. And of course we meet Spike for the first time, and there's ah, uh, it's just kind of when the show changes pace from what it was like in season one, so. Yeah, overall, I just think that this is the most amazing show ever, and I could probably make a part two on this and then talk about a totally different side of Buffy and do a different side of an analysis, which I think I will definitely save to do in the future, Um, because I didn't really talk about it as much here, but I would love to talk about the metaphors that exist within the show and a lot of the show's deeper meaning, because I think that's one of the most unique components of the show. But with that, it kind of brings us to all I wanted to talk about today. Um, Thank you all so much for listening. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to hit the follow button, turn on the notification bell, check the bio for those links, and that's pretty much it. So until next time, have an amazing day or night, whatever time it is, and whenever you're listening to this. Until next time, bye!